Hey everybody, I'm Ken Peach Van Druten, and that is... This is Chris Raybold, and I am not at home for this one. Chris Raybold from remote, somewhere in America. Mobile. Chris Raybold in America, in a hotel room. That's scary. Did you... Like he he used to always be. (laughs) Was it uh, like hermetically sealed? Did it have a seal on the door when you showed up? uh, It did have a uh, some sort of Lysol branded (laughs) sticker, you know. So neither of us are. Neither of us have not done this already during COVID. But yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a bummer experience. It's just I doesn't, know. It just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, and to me, at least the, the the one time that I've stayed in a hotel, or a couple times that I stayed in the hotel since COVID, like nobody's at the hotel either. So it makes it That's feel it. like ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. That's it just it, it, it amplifies the weirdness yeah, of it all. But, and the hustle and bustle of the lobby <laughs> or the yeah. people watching is not quite there. Right, 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 right. So. All right. Well, anyway, um, we here we are. Uh, you know, sometimes we're going to be coming at you remote from places. Hopefully, we do a lot of that more often. Totally. Uh, coming up soon. So, um, anyway, this is episode 43. Um, what would you like to talk about, Chris? Let's do something that's been mentioned a few times. People want to know what we do, how we do when we're uh, out of our comfort zone, so to speak. Whether that's, I think they really mean musically is what they're saying. Like you find yourself in a new genre or with a new assortment of instruments, something like that. You know, what's our, what, what do we do? What do we yeah, do? That's, that's a great one. So um, I think specifically let's talk about music uh, types first. Um, you know, I know that both you and I have have kind of crossed weird lines. You've mixed mm-hmm. some country, you've mixed some pop, you've mixed some rock. Um, as you know, um, front of house engineer for some really large bands, and I've been lucky enough to kind of do pop and rock and weird this walk this weird line. Um, but like, what happens like when you show up to a music genre that you don't know anything about? You know, um, I, I mixed a, a reggae band in my early days um, and, you know, was doing like reggae festivals and stuff. And, you know, um, and, uh, you know, like it's a totally different balance. It's not the, it's not the kick drum anymore. That's right. It's like what is important mm-hmm. for that genre? Because um, you could show up and mix, um, y- you know, mix reggae like a, a rock band and people would just be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> totally. You know? Totally. Um, and so if I know that I'm going to be placed in a weird position like that, like I definitely study prior to going. So like if someone calls me up and says, Hey, you're going to, you're, you're going to a reggae festival and you're mixing like four bands. The first thing I would do for like a week is listen to, you know, stream reggae shit um, mm-hmm. to get a vibe of, of what's important. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's take reggae, for example. You know, reggae is all about the bass guitar and moving sub information, but not kick drum. Like kick drum's mm-hmm. there, but it's all about, you know, uh, that. And then the the uh, offset instruments, the the keyboards and the guitars, you know, the guitars are always on the up. Ink, ink, 
gank. Right. Um, and then the the keyboards are not on the up. They're kind of they're the downbeat and the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. And there's a fine line between that stuff. Um, and if you don't have the balance right of that mix, um, you know, it, it doesn't sound like reggae. It's not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been your experience? Like where, what, when were you thrown into the fire? When was something where you were like, Oh my God, I'll tell you where I find myself getting, I don't want to say thrown into the fire routinely, but one that throws me for a loop is, um, in this gig, this, this thing that I'm doing here, um, has this in there is whenever there are any orchestral, right. Big band, any kind of acoustic instruments, like aside from, you know, an acoustic guitar with a D, I'm not talking about that, you know? Yep. And the reason that it throws me off, not that it throws me off, but that it gets me on my toes more than anything is 9.99 times out of 10, whoever is playing that instrument is a badass. Totally. And you know what I mean? And yep. these are professionals. These are like super pros. Yep. And whereas I might get a gig to go mix whatever rock band, I could I could walk into, like, I don't know what I'm going to run into, but really the chances are it's going to be not what I'm describing yes. more times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's going to be like, oh, there's your amp. Cool. Here's a 57. And a exactly. Blue. I mean, it's just, it's mindless. It goes back to the days in the clubs when we started and it's simple and it's, the bar is set where it's set. And, you know, once we start getting into these gigantic you know, just, you know, 50 piece orchestras or 75 piece, or just all of these things with these players that are used to performing with their local Philharmonic, for example, or whatever. The last thing you want to do is show up and be Johnny kick drum sound. Guy. You <laughs> know what I mean? Exactly. Right. So I, even on the plane for this one, um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm Googling and I've done it all. I've done these things before, but I need the primer. I totally thank get God, it. Thank, thank God for the internet slash take it all with a grain of salt. I'm Googling, miking, and then you name the instrument. Yep. And then it's, 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 there's the close miking of it, and then there's the section miking of it, because be prepared to be able to do either. You want to be flexible. And when they say, no, we do this, you don't want to go, you know. Um, but I think you mentioned something about asking. I, too, though, if it's someone... I don't know, it's a cello or something, and we're close miking it for a live performance, I'll ask them, hey, where do you usually go from? You know, they might have a preference or they might. And if you do it with confidence, not in the like, gosh, golly, what is that thing? You'll you'll get some feedback. So to answer your question, that's the place where it throws me, where I feel the most like, oh boy, I really need to have my shit together. Um, And that's purely just on the mechanics of the miking. That's before we even get to the artistry of the mixing and the layering of the, of the instruments. Yeah, exactly right. Because, you know, oftentimes we run into a giant orchestra, let's say like, I'll, I'll speak from experience here. Uh, when I was 30 years old, I, um, was mixing kiss and they decided that they wanted to do a concert in Sydney with the, uh, or not Sydney in Melbourne with the Melbourne symphony orchestra, 60 piece orchestra and the rock band kiss. Uh, and this was before, you know, um, you know, before digital consoles, I had like three XL fours, I think. Um, and that was 
with submixes of the orchestra coming back to me. So that wasn't like I didn't have individual things. I had sub- someone else in mm-hmm. a truck sending me submixes of orchestra. Um, luckily, but but that was an experience for me where I was like, here I am 30 years old, and it's like I have never put a microphone in front of some yeah. of these instruments, you know? Right. Um, and it was exactly what you said. It was like, you know, uh, luckily I was working with a, this guy, Angus. Um, I forget his last name right now. Sorry, Angus. Um, in um, Australia who, who had mixed orchestra things. So luckily mm. I had a guy to kind of, you know, bounce off of, um, mm. but, but still I was making decisions because that all had to work together with the rock band. Um, and so we were doing close miking and then, you know, um, sec sections, uh, and yeah, I mean, we, uh, that's, that's all I can tell you to do is if you come up to an instrument that you've never mic'd before, the first thing that I do is walk around the instrument, listen to, you know, I'll even like say to the guy, Hey, I'm going to be putting my ear like real close to your instrument. Cause I want to hear like what's going to sound the best. Um, and uh, same thing that I do with like an electric guitar. You got to be careful about putting your head into a 412 mm-hmm. cabinet. But if you tell the guy, Hey, I'm going to put my head in here, you know, just be careful. Same mm-hmm. thing though. Like with the cello, for example, you said that, that example about a cello, um, I will like, you know, listen to where stuff is. And then just like you said, have a conversation with the guy and be like, Hey, where in the past have they put a microphone on you? And where do you think your instrument sounds the best? Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be surprised what the answer will be. And and you'll end up with a better result. I guarantee it. Because these are all pros that know where their instrument sounds good. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, that was like, that was an experience, let me tell you. Um, but dude... A symphony, sixty-piece symphony orchestra at like one hundred and five A weighted, is pretty rad. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that sounded phenomenal because the end result is always killer. Oh, and I don't think I, I don't think I've ever gotten quite that loud with one. Yeah, um, I think it was probably when Kiss was in there all together with the orchestra. Right. There were moments of one hundred and five, but I mean, dude, it was a big rock show in a giant soccer stadium, and it was you know, stacks and stacks of, of, uh, JBL boxes. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was one Oh two for most of the time. And that's the ultimate of like riding the razor's edge of feedback only. It's not just a vocal that might come back. It's some weird low end, whatever, you know, uh, and you mentioned that was like that particular examples before, digital consoles thank god now with digital consoles we can group everything yep. you can eq at the group level you can do you can do so much to so that. much more i would have had so much better tools yeah. um but yeah dude it was like with that many open microphones on stage the stage becomes almost microphonic right so yes. you, you have to like you you do have to do some things to try to make that work and high pass filter up a little bit higher than maybe you want to uh-huh but maybe not for particular instruments, you know, mm-hmm. to prevent the whole thing from being, you know, taken off on you. But, but yeah, yep. man, it was a, it was a real juggle. Um, but you know, twenty years later now, uh, twenty two years later now, um, it's still like you know something that I'm very proud of. Like I, it was a, an amazing, amazing show. I um, bet. So um, the last big, <laughs> this made me think. The last uh, big 
And it's so funny, even as I sit here and I talk to you, because it's just not in, I get tired of this phrase, it's just not in my wheelhouse. I even have to check myself on my terminology. I'm like, sort of symphonic, orchestral, what's the right terminology? But the last, anything like that that I did uh, was at NAM a couple years ago. And there was like, it was, it was, it came out really well. I was proud of it. Um, it's on a console. I didn't know, blah, 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 blah. But there is some, some, uh, ego testing moments, for example, at the very beginning of the show too, we had like one rehearsal day and then we had the show and it's at NAM. Right. So everyone there's, you know, yeah. Checking your shit out. Like, Oh, right. <laughs> and I got the call. <laughs> I got the call on the Clearcom, and it was like, hey, do you hear that 80 hertz? Do you hear yeah, that in the beginning? Yeah. And I'm like, nope. Sure as fuck don't. <laughs> don't hear it at all. I mean, I was just dead honest. Yes, you know? I'm like, I don't hear whatever's, it. I know, I'm sure it's there, yeah. and I'm, I'm not going to tell you I hear it because I don't right now. Yeah. I'm like, but I believe you, and I know of a few different places it would probably be coming from, and I you know, sourced it at yeah. you know, wherever. It was the same deal. It was a high pass and a cut and a notch and a finagle it. So it's like, you know how it is, Scott. We've forgotten all about that with live shows where you take the hit, where yeah. your ego takes a hit during the oh, middle of man. the show. Dude, it's like I, you got to shake that shit off and go. That's you know? exactly right. Like I, I still have nightmares about I did a Katy Perry gig for New Year's in a giant ballroom at the Steve Wynn Hotel. Um, and they put me all the way back in three tiers of shit. Like I was all the way by where the front doors open into this giant ballroom. Um, And, you know, monitor engineer during the show keeps calling me. He's like, dude, there's like this 80 Hertz, you know, anything you could do about it. And dude, I was so, I was literally same deal. You didn't hear it rings of tiny flown little satellite speakers back. You know, I can't hear 80, you know, taken off. A mile no. away, you know, and not even taking off, just like humming. no, 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 yeah, just sitting yeah. there enough <laughs> that it was shaking the stage and it was bothering her. She was like, oh, "Why is the stage feel oh, uncomfortable?" Oh, you know, and I was my like, just "Oh my god!" And I, you know, I still have nightmares about it. I'm still remember like for like 30 minutes of the show, and it was a little long show, like two hour show. Um, mm-hmm. of me just, you know, paging through inputs with headphones, trying yeah. to find like what's going on. Taking high pass filters and destroying sounds of things just to try to get rid of it. Um, right. Yeah, that sucks, dude. There's nothing worse. It's almost like be careful what you wish for as I hear this because it's like someone calls you because you're supposedly a badass. <laughs> yeah. You can come in, work with this high end client. You probably had a no time. No you, time. You, yeah, I know. No, no time. time. They're like, you're good, right? And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not no. fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here, like, barely making it. it, dude. We're barely right. making it. Yeah, but I'll do it. And then, you know, you're especially if you get that call, like it's bothering her. So you're like, oh, shit, there goes Uh, my he was the best I ever had moment. Now it's like, that's not what it's about right now. Just get through it. You know, as weird and uh, I'll go off on a tangent here just a little bit. The weirdest thing ever happened to me where Steve Wynn and like about 20 people that all looked like badass bodyguards. Oh God. Start walking towards me as I'm mixing during a sound check. Like they're like walking towards oh, me. I'm all the way in the back feeling. and I'm like, what the fuck? And I go, oh, and I knew what Steve Wynn looked like. And I go, oh, let's do Wynn, whatever. So he walks up and he starts talking to me in the middle of this and it's relatively loud, you know, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll mute, you know, mute everything. Yeah. And, uh, and I reach out my hand and I go, hi, how you doing? I'm Pooch. 
and he totally left me hanging, dude. Like, didn't oh. wouldn't shake my hand. I was like, yeah. okay, how you doing, That's, man? Uh, What's going on? You know, left me hanging. But uh, the reason I tell you that story is that with her being a little bit upset about that, that happened when he went back to her after the show, this was his new year's party. He mm-hmm. said to I've her, I've done one of his new year's shows. Yeah. Before. He said to yeah. her that it's, he's like, that's the best I've ever heard anyone sound here. There and, you go. You know, so, but, but I still, I pissed her off. So, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> you see, I'm not working for Katy Perry right now. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Who did I have one time tangent time? Uh, I was at radio city music hall with widespread panic. And that's the kind of place they play a lot. Uh, you know, that size venue or whatever. And this was like, this wasn't early in my career. They, they were established. I was established as a mixer. I knew what the hell I was doing. We'd been in that room with them before and had success. And for some reason, out of nowhere, the promoter, Ron Delsner comes like cruising up to me, not happy. (laughs) And, and like, I'm not accustomed to, like I, uh, me yeah, either. Like getting yelled to be at, browbeaten, like and yes. I was just—it was so like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like it was—I don't even remember what the deal was or what the complaint was. Or it was definitely one of those where I was like, God, I didn't uh, enjoy that. Yeah, no. And this is all the things we want to get back to, right? <laughs> Why these do we want to keep doing this? Yeah, no, I know. I know. Exactly. Well, because there's of those moments. nights when it's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's that. I hope that by us sharing those moments with you guys is that, you know, there are moments in my career that I look back on that were just unbelievable moments of hair raising and people looking at me like going, holy crap, dude, that sounds like amazing, you know, but there are plenty of moments of me going, holy crap, what a night. Like, you know, I know that at the end of that night, I was just like, tail between the legs, walking back to my room at the wind, just going, oh man. So beaten. So beaten. Um, but anyway, um, kind of back on topic here. Um, you know, not only, you know, orchestras are, are hard, but also genres. Like we we started mm-hmm. talking, we started talking about, um, you know, how reggae is or whatever. But like, if someone asked me to mix, like, let's say Indian music, for example, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't know... If you asked me right now and told me tonight I'm going to mix an Indian act, I would have no idea what's supposed to be the prominent thing in that mix. Yep. Would you? No. Yeah. And it would be time. It would be immediately time to study. Yeah. It would be time to study and or call a peer. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be like that far off the beaten track. Like, I'll tell you one thing that I'm not going to say I struggled with, but um, has been different for me is because I like you, you know, you mentioned how we've done all these different genres and stuff. It was funny last night I was bored going through my phone and I found all this Nora Jones stuff that I had done. I'm just listening on my phone. I'm like, God, that's amazing. And it's just all just so good. Um, but, uh, for me coming from rock and roll where it's guitar centric, yeah, and then finding myself so deeply entrenched in R and B pop music where it's keys centric. Yeah, just simply like that shift. Yeah, of be like, no man, no, no, no. I know what you want. I know what your heart wants. You know, it's for that guitar to be louder. I'm telling you, that's not the move right now. That's, that's not right. what the client wants. That's yeah. not. No one's. 
no one's rooting for what you're rooting for. <laughs> Shift it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's been a big one for me of making making like keys the, the predominant thing. But good lord, let alone here's a you know here's a you know Indian music or I mentioned uh, during COVID since we've been doing this show I had an outdoor performance one time and it was all. It was a cello and a man. It was a weird assortment of instruments. It was like right. a cello, a mandolin, and a blah, 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 blah. it was only four or five pieces. But it was like, man, that was the hardest mix I've done in a long time. Just, <laughs> and you would think, okay, well, the cello's the anchor. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't, and it wanted to feed back the whole time. Uh, like it was, you know. That's so, that's a hard thing. Like what happens when you show up to a quartet or whatever, and there's mm-hmm. no instruments that's making any sort of low end. Mm-hmm. The the human ear wants to hear the frequency spectrum across the, you know, across Mm -hmm. hearing spectrum. So if you don't have information that's at 100 or Mm -hmm. lower, um, the, all of the high end stuff sounds brittle and abrasive and, you know, all of those kind of things. So I've run into several situations where I'm like, there is not one instrument here that's making anything below, you know, 200, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do you do in that kind of a situation? Um, I know for me, uh, I tried to manufacture a little bit of it, just just enough to have something down there um, mm-hmm. to try to give it a, something to hold on to, like taking whatever it was, the cello and, you know, boosting some of those frequencies that just aren't there, really. Right. Um, to try to, you know, try to manage that. It's a, it's a hard thing. Have you run into that situation? Yeah. It's like, you know, you low end and let's say it's just an acoustic performance of some sort, um, whatever the, the instrumentation might be. So it's not the kind of show where people are really going to be getting down, so to speak. Right. But, you know, when there is movement, in the low frequencies, it inherently makes people move. It makes them bob their heads. It makes for this, I don't know. It just, it sets the vibe and it sets the mood. And when it's gone, it's very easy to end up with whatever your audience size is. Let's say it's 10 people. Let's say it's 10,000 people of people just standing watching. And that can be very disconcerting as a mixer to see no one moving or reacting. And, um, and, and yeah. pop stars don't like that either. Right. They're well, like, they, how come no one was doing anything? Yeah. Right. Right. And it's like, so if it's acoustic, you're like, okay, well I'll rely on the rhythm. Right. To serve as the, what I wish the low end was doing. And it's like, okay, well whose rhythm? Cause I got two acoustics yeah. and I got that <laughs> mandolin guy that's all over the place. Choose got, one. Yeah. Choose yeah. one. Yeah. And, you know, they're live players, and if, again, if they're mic'd, they might be all over the place. If, if it's if it's a, a pickup, it might be wildly dynamic, way yeah. more than what you would prefer. Um, so you really are just – and at that point in time, too, you're just doing your best. Like I don't want to say just get through it, but it is kind of a mystery of sorts. You're like, okay, like you, like you said, you know, what what's important? Yeah. What matters? And of course, it all matters, but what's – and what's the anchor? That can be very, very difficult. Um, I, you know, you mentioned acoustic guitar and I find that instrument and acoustic piano to really be the two instruments in my world that are like, oh, this is difficult to get a good sound out of them. Um, I mean, honestly, I will say probably maybe three acoustic guitars in my Mm -hmm. career have Mm -hmm. been dude plugs in, steps up plays a chord and I go, whoa, that right. is a great sounding acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and I've had hundreds of acoustic guitars. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. um, so for some reason, that instrument in itself just never sounds great and is always a difficult thing. So when you show up to a thing where there's three acoustic guitars that don't sound great, and mm -hmm. uh, a fiddle player that's wanking all around the microphone. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's a super difficult thing. Um, it, you know, it's challenging. I got it. Yeah. I'm glad you said acoustic piano. Um, I keep in my phone with me at all times. I have, this is funny. I, and I know where the positioning is, yet I still I keep it in my phone. And then I have it a few different places in the cloud. I think I, I think it's on like Google Drive. I'd have to go search for it. And I think I have like a website, but I have it everywhere, piano mic. Because and I do the same thing. And it used to always be, it could be any mic, but I really like 414s. Yep. And it's this gaff tape scenario that I do. Um, the ever popular with us 49 DPA 4099s also do this with much easier mounting. But it's like that's one because that's another situation where you end up with a acoustic, uh, acoustic piano. I'm talking about acoustic a grand. Acoustic also grand know, piano is what I'm talking right. about too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, know what to do with an upright. That's a little different. But it's like that's another scenario where if they're doing it there, it's probably a I don't want to say hoity-toity affair, but there's something classy about it that's making that be so. Like, don't show up like an idiot and not know what to do. Totally, and not look like all you can do is put a 57 in front of an amp. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and again, hear us guys, we're saying, we all know, I know how to point microphones at something and capture sound. We're talking about live sound. We're talking about doing it and it not feeding back. Yeah. That's, if you're just tuning in for the first time, that's the rub. <laughs> yeah, it's going to end up rub. in wedges, in yeah. the house, everything else. How do you do it? And um, man, I've got a, a little system that works so well for me. And it typically ends up just being a couple you know, it's piano left, piano right. I have passed them probably the same, and I might do slightly different EQ on either side, and then they go to the group, and I process the group, and I put the mics in the same place every time, but I keep that with me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's one I don't want to fuck up. Yep. Um, and, and, and I need to mention this. I, I think I've mentioned on here at the show before, but when Lady Gaga started doing her jazz stuff with Tony Bennett, that gave me, I was still with her full-time at the time, and that gave me the opportunity to be around Tom Young, who had done Frank Sinatra for like 143 years and had right. been doing Tony Bennett for another 187 years. So this guy, you know, and I just, man, I was a sponge and I learned so much from watching. And I'll be honest with you, the phrasing is what he didn't do. I watched how much in that, in those genres, um, it's all about the minimal not minimal effort, but minimal production, yeah. you know, and just really doing, just letting it, really letting it be sound reinforcement and not, you don't want to hear big dramatic mix moves. You don't want to be doing dramatic EQ. Um, and that was, a, that was a big learning lesson for me is watching him do his thing. And I've taken that with me. And whenever I'm tasked with doing jazz uh, or anything similar to that, I, I use all of those techniques. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, that's another thing. That's an interesting thing you brought up is that some of these genres that we're talking about are truly sound reinforcement. They're not designed to be record mix time. All nope. you're designing to do is to make what's coming off of the stage be louder, right? Yep. That's purest sound reinforcement. Um, and when you're talking about jazz, often that is the deal. Like you, they don't want 
uh, a crack and snare drum, a crack and kick drum. They want the big picture of that drum kit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, further away room kind of vibe, you know, with that drum kit. And uh, so. And um, and, and an an SBL too, that like we've talked on here before. I love a show where the audience is like, you started with the kiss thing where the audience is like enveloped in it. Yeah. Like it's all around you. It's all encompassing. No, it's a show that's occurring there on the stage. Yeah. And, and you're, you need to mix accordingly for that. There's something else to point out. Well, that's true. And that, that's a really great discussion too. The, you know, the, the SBL of different genres and also knowing who you're, um, knowing who you're mixing to. Uh, I was talking to David Morgan and he mixed, uh, Debbie Gibson early on in his career. Um, uh-huh. and, um, the people, you know, Debbie was like 18 and the kid, he said there was like infants showing up to those shows. Yeah. And so the guy before him, um, got fired because the guy was mixing it like a rock show and there were six year olds in the audience, right? Like, dude, you don't, you don't mix a 102 no. rock show for six-year-olds and their parents. No. Like, come on, man. Um, so he said, you know, that's why he ended up getting that gig and with her for years and years is because mm-hmm. he was appropriately mixing at an appropriate volume. That's something to discuss, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That, that would be a tough one to be handed because you think about it. That's you've got, you know, all those six-year-olds are screaming at the that's top what of their he lungs. Said. That's what he said. So you're yeah. just like, what the hell do you? You just, it's kind of like what we both, I would think my guess would be, it would be like what you and I experienced with the Bieber thing. 100%. Where you just endure it yep. for X number of minutes or songs until yep. they quiet enough. Yep. And then you find your, you find your place there. I think um, we've said this a lot. Uh, bring the audience to you. Don't yeah. try to compete with 112 A-weighted screamers. You're no. never going to win. You're never going to win. And it's just going to sound ridiculous. And it's going to sound stupid loud. You're not mm-hmm. going to win. And so one of actually one of my favorite things to do is to force them to like calm down. <laughs> right. Yeah. By bringing them to me, you know. Absolutely. Um, and then you can then mix dynamically and give them something, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you bring them to you at 100 or 102 dBA weighted when they were screaming at 112, when you bring them to you at 100, you can then give them a 104 punch in a chorus that knocks right. them all off their feet. And then it feel your, makes your mix feel bigger, right? Yeah. 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 And also kind of gives them, that's almost like their little, whoa. that, that, that is not like that's the, that becomes their whoa moment. Their whoa moment. Yeah, totally. I, I talked to some, I have a couple buddies of mine who play in this one band that I mix and they met each other uh, through, they both played in Branson, Missouri, which if you guys aren't familiar with what happens in Branson, Missouri Dolly world or whatever's going it, on there. Yeah. Well, and I, she might have a presence there, but it's, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate blue hair circuit. Yeah. Among other things. But, and I think like no show there is over. Oh man. Definitely nothing comes anywhere close to a hundred. No, nowhere near a hundred. Yeah. Like nowhere near. 90 you know? is like pretty standard. Yeah. Right. So you think about what that is. And um, I'll tell you something that here's a good kind of fear, something that I have thought about. I've been thinking about it's not I've thought about this for years, but it came up recently in my mind, too. You know, something that's really hard to do is to make like earthy, vibey, like, let's say, like a Rhodes that's all really low, mid, heavy or 
a big bombastic bass drum from some indie rock record. That sound, when amplified live, oftentimes equals pure mush. Yeah. There's there's no artistry. There's no tone. Everything that's cool and vibey and warm about it is just inaudible shit live. That's another tough one, too, is when you get a whole bunch, if, when you get that, whether it whether it's indie rock or, or whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about. You know the sounds I'm talking Dude, about. Dude, yeah. So that, you know, we've talked about earlier on in, all, in a lot of our videos, talked about how that 80 to 250 range in your mm-hmm. mix is like often the most difficult thing to get right. Well, what happens when you show up and <laughs> there's all these instruments that are in that range? Um, right. Because, you know, that's typically an indoor room, that's what energizes is all that information. And so when you put a group of instruments together or even just a single one that's up front in your mix um, that has a lot of that information in it, man, that's tough. Like, how do you how do you get the um, intelligibility part of that instrument to punch, um, Mm. but yet keep keep the coolness of the instrument yet? not energize that energy in a room. That's like a right. real skill, man. Um, do, you have yeah. any, do you have any tips to get around it? Well, I can tell you what I'm, in, what I'm inclined to do is simply turn it up. Is I just, is, and, and, it's, and, and then we used to get, it's like, but then at a certain point, you don't want to go too loud with it. But when, if you take. So uh, you're removing uh, some of the, the frequencies that are really energizing the room, whatever those are, that are the offensive frequencies. You're removing some of those and then turning the overall thing up. Is that what you're, you're saying? You're just right. You're just at a yeah. certain point, you have to give it presentation. Right. You have to push it forward or and, – and everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. I mean, think like a cool – even some – okay, we'll, we'll talk about something. Even like a Zeppelin drum sound. Sure. Even a roomy – natural drum kit that's super vibey and super cool. If you try to replicate that live, depending on where you are, it might just come out pure mush. Totally. And while I'm not advocating for the Lars Ulrich mix by default, there's something to be said for that stuff on the top end to help you see what's below it. So what, what happens is when I do end up in those scenarios where I've got these real vibey sort of piece is I just try to see how loud I can get it before it becomes inappropriate. Right. I will also, I know, <laughs> we awesome. harp, I know we harp on the benefits of harmonic distortion, but there's a reason. I will employ some form of harmonic distortion. So if the bulk of if the fundamental of that instrument is sitting at 250, we generate some friends on top and we're totally. going to trick the ear to following those and hope that that, that that paints the that that paints the picture. That's know? a that's a great example. I, I got to tell you, I've been working on some projects here, doing some mixing, um, and I I was struggling um, with vocals. Like I couldn't. I all the vocal in this mix sounded good, but it just like it didn't fit anywhere in the pocket. Like you know, in in relation to the rest of the instruments. It just didn't feel right. And I couldn't, you know, I tried EQ, tried compression, tried all kinds of shit. And eventually, <laughs> uh, eventually the client actually suggested this, that uh, putting, um, you know, that Manny American drive. Oh, the, 
plug-in. Yeah. That drive plug-in. I plug like in. that plug-in. I do too. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, right. Let's add some harmonic distortion to the vocals and see what happens. And dude, I got to tell you, it was like, wow, that yep. fixed everything. Like I was like, okay, so now it's in the track. It's where it's supposed to be. Um, so often uh, harmonic distortion is, is the fix for things for sure. Right. Yeah. You know, in all of this too, it just goes back to the whole, like have a toolkit because in the last 10 minutes we've gone from don't do shit, <laughs> but barely turn it up for the jazz gig, which yeah. is true. That's like, pretty let, it. Yeah. Let it be yeah. whatever. Don't put any top end on it. Just turn it up until there's a presence. Yeah. Hopefully with the jazz cats, there's a note there too. That's what's different between like a rock kit or something else. Um, for me, I'll try not to use the spot mics. I'll try to just use the overheads. Right. You know, we've gone from like doing that. Ideally, you're just using hot filtering to putting Manny Merrickwin's, you know, yeah. distortion plug. And that's just like, and it's, it's the same, same art. Yeah, it's yeah. the same art. It's that's just right. knowing what's appropriate when and how and in what doses. And um, it's definitely tough early on. When totally. you're when you don't when have you the start, skills, right? You're like, oh, I don't know how to don't. fix this. And yeah. I'll tell you what also what becomes tough is after so you're young, you don't have the toolkit, or you just learned how to do like one thing really well. Yeah. You've learned how to make a snare drum yeah. sound like a record. You've learned how to make a kick drum. You've learned how to make a bass guitar actually be heard. You've learned how to do all these things. You've actually learned a vocal delay. And then you get thrown, and this is the this is this is where there's value in working for like a regional company or a club or whatever, where you're just throwing all this other shit, and then you're you're given these tasks where it's like, okay, and you can use none of those. Yeah, I'll make it work. <laughs> but so yeah. what's tough, like for you and I, is I want to tell you I do what's right by the gig every single time. Like we're saying here, I listen. Whatever the gig is, I, I listen to the material, I figure out what it is, and that's what I try to nail. I would also like to think that I have, we've talked about this, a bit of a sound of my own. Yeah. But be careful how much of that you bring with you because it might, what you do so well might be totally inappropriate for this new gig. That's really interesting. So I was going to bring this up earlier, but it's like, so the pop world has kind of adopted all of us rock mixers. (laughs) And the reason is, is that a lot of these pop guys live want it to be a rock show. You know, Mm -hmm. the reason that Ariana Grande hires Toby Francis is because she wants it. You know, she's her, her audience is young, but she still wants that, you know, all the impact of drums and, you know, she wants Mm -hmm. it to be like a rock show. Um, And that's how he continues to, to thrive there. Um, and that's how, you know, I've gotten a lot of my pop gigs. It's like, you know, people know that I'm a rock mixer primarily mm-hmm. have been all of my life. Um, and they want to bring some of those things to, to the pop genre. Not all of it. Like you said, with Not the guitar, right? Like they don't want the guitar. the guitar. Yeah. That's the one yeah. that I wish they would give us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that is so weird, isn't it? That, okay. Yes. Guitar is not the fundamental instrument in pop music. It's not the one that should be so far forward. But haven't you found that almost every guitar sound in pop music is always like, dude, your sound is horrible. It's like coming out of some direct head. Yes. Like 
dude, if you if I if you think that you belong in the mix, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like your know. sound should be good, right? I know. Um, and it, it's it's the worst when you get that sound. I know what you're talking about. It's usually some like badly overdriven. Yes. Not the sound of tubes. No. Not the sound of like tasteful overdrive, but some bad like rat pedal gone wrong. Totally. But a digital emulation of. Yeah, that's right. Which especially nowadays. With uh, and I'm not going to say like with those darn fractals and those darn Kempers. Those <laughs> no, because have, you can get a good result from this. You but, yeah. totally can, yeah. but there's so much in there, and they use it all. And yes. I, I got to be honest with you, my uh, brief <laughs> limited experience in the house of worship world. Yeah. This year, or you see that a lot. The same year, you yeah. see it all the time. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah. just behind this wall of like, what? <laughs> How do you ever expect to come forward? in the mix and so it's so frustrating you got this sound yeah. which by its nature is just yeah. smeary and in like reverse yeah. so to speak and you can't push it yeah per the wishes of the act so yeah. all it is is this destructive gnat that <laughs> lives then, in the mix and then my favorite one is when there's 12 of those Right. Like, but, <laughs> yeah. What You're is like, that? oh, I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna pan them. Yeah. Cool. So I just gotta like, put them everywhere. Why does yeah. every? I mean, you know, I'm not a big house of worship mixer, but I've done a few gigs, and every time I show up, there's like six guitar players. Like, why? Why is that happening? And they're all playing the same part too. It's not like they're playing different parts. Same part, and now with <sighs> the church world being the same as everything else in live audio, and there's tracks. You know, yes. which the part, which tracks the part of is guitar. Yes. Tracks of guitar yes. that are also swamped out and all this stuff. Yeah. So um, I feel you out there, man. House of worship yeah. guys. I feel you. It's uh, absolutely, it's difficult. I'll tell you, I am, first of all, I'm in a hotel and I just found the lever on my chair. Yes. To go lower. So let me come back up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, one of the last like kind of real gigs and I don't mean like one particular show but an artist that I teamed up with for a little while I don't know if I'll ever work with him again now I have no idea what's going to happen but um god you know this guitar thing it's like I'm just thinking about these songs we did that were like these big huge soaring intros into the beginning with this huge it is a guitar solo it's not my interpretation right that it's a guitar that's what's happening at that moment (laughs) Yet it's like her people were like, turn, turn the guitar down. Oh, turn boy. the guitar down. I'm yeah. like, no, he's literally. That's like, what's he happening. The, he has the ball right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> what the fuck am he's I supposed to He's running down the field. He is. <laughs> what do you want me to do? And it just, it you sit there and that's where you got it. Just like when Ron Delsner or, or Steve Wynn or whoever comes up with a comment, you just got to sit there and do it. Yeah. That's exactly and right. Just be like, I know this isn't right. Musically, yeah. I know music is an art and it's all to each their own, whatever. There's there are rules to a certain extent, you know? Yeah. And um it's you just have to sit there and be like, okay, but this doesn't sound right. This that's, doesn't feel right. You know, and me. that's the whole other one that we filmed earlier about the political side of this. Like, know who's important. Yeah. Like you gotta know when you sh- when I knew when I showed up yeah. to Steve Wynn's hotel with his New mm-hmm. Year's. It's his New Year's party. Yeah, yeah, my client is Katy Perry, but he's important too. Like you got to right. listen to what he says too. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's a whole other whole other side of this for sure. Um, what about we've been talking about genres? Um, mm-hmm. 
maybe we talk a little bit more about specific instruments. Like what are some of the weirdest instruments you've run into? Like, you know, I, I showed up at a gig and there was like a dude playing a dulcimer, whatever that is. Yeah. And, um, and I had no idea what to do with that. And, and so there was, and also like, I had no idea what microphone to use on a dulcimer, you know? Um, and so it was definitely like, Hey man, can you play acoustically for me? I need to hear what your instrument sounds like. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then hopefully go back to the mic drawer and have a tool to get what you need. Um, but, um, has there been any weird ones for you? I mean, there have been a ton, as I'm sure we're both going to think of more. It's funny, yeah. I think on the last episode, you mentioned dulcimer, and I literally, when it was over, or maybe while we were talking, I'm like, yeah. which one's the dulcimer? <laughs> you know, I have to yeah. remember. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll run into that same scenario. Again, I'm making myself like a dumbass in this one. But when it gets into <laughs> orchestral stuff, there's some no. like, wait, which one is that? That's a hard is one, that, dude. Is that, the, is that the one in the middle? Yeah. Is that the... You know, um, that, that's a, an interesting thing that you bring up too that we didn't talk about in regards to orchestra was what sections are important. You know, the first violins are playing a part and the second violins are playing a part. Mm-hmm. Who's more important in that moment? Mm-hmm. Theoretically, the conductor is the guy uh, with the overall picture and is asking for more of the, you know, second violins more. But when you're close miking, Right. That's a hard, like you're making that decision. You're making that decision. And everything in life, particularly in life as it, as it pertains to live audio, is not apples to apples. That's They're right. not, the first might not be giving you the output that the second is. And you're trying to be super neutral yeah. and you're trying to play it right, but you're getting more output. Yeah. But it's like, well, but they're set the same. And I'm, uh, it's just like, no. Yeah. It's you know, it's really, difficult, and you have to study. You know, you really it, do. You you do. But as you were talking, I was grinning. Now, this was not difficult at all. Difficult when I think of live sound. If you ask me, difficult, difficult, particularly the first place my mind goes to, like the most difficult things are the ones that are the most prone to feedback. Yep. You know, it's an acoustic piano that is in front of the PA. That yeah. there's it's it's all it's live mic or it's it's something like that or wedges what, on stun or uh, on, you know, yeah it's yeah. stuff like that Elton That's John difficult. you know his wedges are on stun yes so. right so something famously yeah. you know in our industry something like that where it's just like oh I'm glad I don't have to go to yeah. that but <laughs> this this particular thing is a good example of it wasn't difficult to achieve the sound but I had to listen to these cats and let them tell me how they do it and go, okay, when I'm with these guys, this is what we do. And it was, God help me, but it was this, there was a period of time where I was really involved in a lot of like New Orleans based stuff. That's a whole world unto itself, how they do things. For real. And a lot of times New Orleans does things, what a lot of people might think it's kind of like, little backwards, <laughs> a little slack, yeah. a little this, but that's part of the vibe and do, and do that because yeah. that's part of, that's how it works. And it was, it's not a tuba. It's a, is it a bassoon? Whatever the, whatever the, uh, uh, the I smaller version of a tuba. Yeah. Whatever those cats play down there in the jazz bands and the bands on the corner. I know what you're talking and about. The, and I, I'm, yeah, name is escaping me right, right. now. Right. Yeah. Bands in the corner, yeah. or the, on, on the, in the quarter, the band, all those cats. Yeah. What they do, what I think is, okay, we're going to clip something yeah. onto, and, you know, right there, boom, there we go. 
That's not what they do. They take a 58, they wrap it in a towel. And I don't even mean to where the head of the mic, the capsule is like, no, 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 it's in the towel. <laughs> and then they drop it in the motherfucker wow. and then they gaff or duct tape. There's no gaff tape. Yeah. They tape it at the top and that's what they do. Wow. Now, mind you, by doing that, of course, again, that's not hard. You're going to get all the um, yeah. output in the world. But it was like, that was one. When I started encountering those guys, I was like, you want me to do what? That's you crazy, know? dude. And I, I just it. learned that that's what you did. And I listened to them and that that's, yeah. that's what we did. Um, as far as other instruments, it would be some acoustic instrument of some sort where one person tells you to mic it at like the F hole. Yeah. The other person tells you to point it at the bridge. Yeah. The player wants it over their shoulder. Ultimately, I just need output. Yeah. You know, those are the ones that stick out as difficult. For Often me. What about for you? us, it's all about game before feedback, right? So that's what right. we're looking for. It may not necessarily be actually the best sounding place of that instrument. No. Unfortunately. Um, right. But um, we're looking for some sort of balance there. Like, you know, still good sounding, but mm -hmm. way more gain. I'm not going to have to worry about gaining this up so hot that all I'm doing is creating feedback. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's tough. That's what about tough you? Thing. What's throwing you for a loop? Uh, like I said, that dulcimer thing did. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And at the end of the day, what was that? 12th fret? Like, yeah. Uh, something. I, I, You know, I honestly can't remember what I did. <laughs> yeah. It was literally it like 20 years ago, and I can't remember what I did. Um, but it was definitely one of those things where I was like, you know, talk to the guy and like, hey, where's the best place to mic this thing? Um, yeah. You know, Um I I struggle with acoustic acoustic guitars sounding shitty. That's like yeah, you know I run here. into that a lot. I really do. It's the like, worst. It's the worst. Hands it, down, no, no no doubt about it. Yeah. So, um, you, you know because of the uh, some acoustic guitars that are played acoustically and are used in recording studios are the most amazing sounding guitars in the world. But as soon mm -hmm. as you put a pickup on it and plug it in to try to get that gain before feedback that we're talking about, and also mm -hmm. the, you know, get away from the whole movement thing because they're going to be moving away from a microphone, uh, you know, all of those things that we need to overcome in live sound. As soon as you put a, you know, <sighs> and I, I've yeah. tried all kinds, you know, they all have these, uh, super duper pickups that do combine a mic the and blend. a pickup. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like, man. oh man. Um, and it's so difficult. And I want, I want that instrument to sound amazing, right? Like I want mm -hmm. it to be big and full and fat and, you know, that amazing acoustic sound that you hear on some like country records, for instance. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just, sometimes you just can't get that. Um, and you live. know what sucks about that too is that, that is one of the, uh, the good sounding acoustic guitar of which there are just like electric guitars, a million varieties yes. of what is a good sounding acoustic guitar. It's a true joy of audio to listen to yep. when it's on a record. That's I mean, right. it's just, it's rich or it could be any number of things or gosh, you could be the eighties and it could be chimey and chorus filled and whatever, but, but still cool, right? You know, and still big cool. frequency spectrum wise, it's big. Like it covers, yes. you know, a big and chunk. all the, 
best ways. And to not be able to replicate that despite your best efforts and to have the vision of where you want to take it becomes one of those moments where you just want to go to everybody in the audience and be like, I know, I know, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. Um, (laughs) Earlier when we were talking, I was thinking about when you're talking about what do you do when there's not low end presence, you know, and how do you kind of generate that energy or maybe fake low end or do whatever. I started thinking about when, let's say there are acoustic guitars involved. Acoustic guitars are one of those things in a dense mix, much like a piano or a keyboard patch replicating a piano. My high passes get up there because I don't need the chunk. I don't need the wolf. I don't need any of it. That's However, interesting. I, let me interrupt up to you real quick. Mm-hmm. Th- that is when I was speaking about what's hard about acoustic guitars. It's when they're by themselves. That's it's the when hard. they're by themselves. Yeah, and it's the it's the same thing holds true for piano or piano patches. Yep. Or, or acoustic guitars, whether mic'd or di'd, is when they're by themselves. Guys, drop that high pass. Yep. Like drop. It's particularly like I've got a bunch of acts I work with where there's a piano all night long, or he's playing a bunch of patches but it's predominantly piano and then it becomes ballad time yep if you don't drop that high pass and i mean play the console or automate it or do whatever you got to do if you don't you will have this anemic passionless performance yep and it really sucks but here's the problem (laughs) here's the rub here's the rub (laughs) much like we talk about uneven bass notes out of a bass guitar yeah a lot of times a uh um oh what's the thing everyone plays the yamaha uh gosh of course my mind just went the motif yes the motif out of the box has the most unrealistic you know a hundred and down boost you've ever heard because it sounds amazing in the headphones when you're demoing it at guitar center that's right it's just they bigger than hype into it yeah they build the hype you often talk about hype that's hype Yep. But the second you open that up in a PA, even the best tuned PAs, suddenly you've got when they go low and you just want it to sustain and be cool, you get this woof that yep. doesn't exist in music. That's right. But if you have a PA that's not the best tuned PA, now it's double that. So yeah. that becomes just as hard as anything in the world is when you open up the high or drop the high pass, open up the low end on those sources. It's what's coming back at you. And this is when we do get into shelf EQ or multiband or yep. dynamic EQ or something to, to expansion to make that and work. compression, expansion to, and compression. Yep, yep, right. Yep, yep, that's yep. when we get into that kind of stuff. So that, that stuff's really hard when you reintroduce low end to those sources, because a lot of times it's not the best sounding low end in the world, No, you know, and if it's mic'd, if it's a mic'd piano or a mic'd guitar, now we're right back into feedback of the sort that like, you know, Oh, Bu- buildings crumble, Build- under, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, oh man. Well, um, I think we've kind of come to the end of this, uh, discussion, but, uh, it's been pretty awesome talking about, you know, different, uh, different genres. Um, Hey guys, w- don't forget about our podcast. You know, we put up, um, all 40 of our episodes and tomorrow or sorry, this is 43. So, Anyway, we're going to be one episode off with our podcast. So um, when 40 posts, 40, or sorry, when 41 posts on the YouTube channel, 
you'll be able to access uh, episode 40 on the the podcast. But, um, you know, a lot of you guys were requesting the podcast thing and and, uh, we're super stoked to do it. So uh, all of your podcast friendly places like Apple and Spotify and all that. It's there. So go check it out. Yeah. And if you're so inclined, leave us a a rating, leave us a review. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a sea of podcasts now. It's, 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 it'd be good to get a little, uh, yeah. Let everybody know that this one's a good one. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, in this world in social media, you know, likes and subscribes and all of that stuff matter. So, um, tell your friends and, uh, we're hoping that you're digging this. All right, guys. Well, take care, and we'll see you on the next one. See you, everybody.